Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler, where we talk about baseball and sports performance. With topics ranging from coaching, business, and player development, our goal is to bring you a no BS approach to development in baseball and sports performance. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of LT Brings the Heat. We're your host, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler. Uh, today, we're going to kind of talk about a couple of things. We're going to focus on one main thing, uh, basically answers to arm soreness and recovery from throwing. Um, we're both down in Alabama. They're getting ready to start their season next Friday from what Adam told me, which is absolutely crazy to think compared with Indiana. But up here, we're still in the middle of our velo programming and guys are kind of in their ramp up and their build up phases of throwing. Um, so, you know, arm soreness and, and excessive soreness is kind of building up and you got guys that aren't taking care of their arms. Um, and there's also a lot of, uh, myths, um, that we're going to bust today and kind of address today. And there's a lot of factors that people think, um, old school mindsets and I, not to talk down about old school, cause I, I'm a big old school guy, but I like new school as well, as we've talked about on the podcast a lot, but there's a lot of recovery things and how to take care of your arm that is uh, way past like they've been debunked for years. And we're going to kind of address some of those things. But uh, before we get rolling, Adam, how's everything going down in Bama? And uh, I mean, you guys are getting ready to rock and roll. So I'm sure that guys are coming into you like, hey, coach, I need to be ready to rock and roll. What do I need to do? Yeah, everything's going great, man. We uh, yeah, they have their scrimmages this weekend where they do the umpire scrimmages. So the teams are allowed to play each other. So the umpires will get work in. But next Friday, a lot of the teams are kicking off for their opening day. So it's pretty crazy that it's already here. But it's funny, I was telling before we came on, is this Wednesday, next Wednesday, we're actually supposed to get some snow down here, which is very, very rare for us. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the people handle that with dealing the snow a few days before your opening game starts. So parents, and you definitely want to bring out the blankets when you're watching these games, and kids, definitely make sure you're wearing your sleeves and your long johns mm-hmm. or whatever else you got going on there. So we're getting a little bit of Indiana weather down here. So what about you guys? How's everything going? Oh uh, man, well, we've got about eight inches of snow and it's about negative 15 right now. So, I mean, I think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's too going too bad right now. It's uh, at least that's the real field. So I think it's uh, the regular temps, like in the, the teens or something like that. But we had Sunday um, is our big day for lessons, obviously. And so we had that snow from Saturday night to Sunday morning. Um, so people were kind of freaking out about traveling and stuff and ended up the roads actually ended up being pretty. Uh, pretty solid for travel. So we end up having a full day on Sunday, which is always nice. That's a bad thing about, you know, the job in the wintertime up here is like, you know, anything can change. Like I remember back in 2013, we had like 19 inches of snow and we were essentially closed for like a week to mm-hmm. two weeks. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, so, you know, getting ready for you guys starting with season, Adam, kind of what are some things that you focus with your guys uh, moving forward, like, hey, it's it's the beginning of the, of the year, you know, when it comes to pitchers and hitters, you know, there's obviously different things. And we always say, like, you know, hitting is timing and pitching is disrupting timing. So how do you kind of help your guys uh, kind of prep for getting ready for the season? Yeah, so there was a guy in last night in particular that he had come in. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since he came in, but they're getting ready to get cranked up. So they finally got a little free time from his practice schedule to get in late last night. And he was kind of asking for advice about this weekend and those umpire scrimmages that I mentioned before. And I told him early on for his at-bat standpoint, really try to focus on just trying to work the count as much as possible. I think the more you can work the count and see more pitches, the better your timing is going to start to pick back up. And like you're actually going to visually track balls and see balls in and out of the zone. It's just a thing that I think is way more beneficial, especially in these scrimmages versus just going up there trying to go three for three and swing at every first pitch that you see. I think the more you can track right now, start off slow, then that way you're kind of ramped up, ready to go instead of starting off like bangers right out the gate, swinging at everything. 
and then trying to calm all that back down. So be patient up there, hitters. Uh, stand in on as many bullpens as possible at practice. I know you're not getting a lot of swings in uh, with your high school teams, unfortunately, because there is team practice going on now. So get the extra work in. But if pitchers are throwing bullpens while another group's hitting, ask the coach if you can go stand in on the bullpen. That way you can continue Absolutely. to track the pitchers coming in. Uh, ask the coach for live at-bats. I think a lot of kids are afraid to kind of recommend these things to coaches, but coaches would love that. If you just mentioned to them, like, hey, coach, can we see some live arms today? Like, yeah, we've been doing BP or we've done coaches' scrimmages, but is there any chance we could see some live arms and have the pitchers throw? That way they get their work in. And hitters, we're getting our timing back down as well as just seeing pitches overall because we know it just like you can get kind of tunnel vision in the cage or when you get out there on that big open field, things kind of your eyes kind of have to adjust back to being outside again. So adjust being back outside, seeing the whole big picture, uh, checking out the batter's box, the, the batter's eye in the background. There's a lot of variables that come into this. So the more comfortable you can get, the, I think that will get you really off to a fast start as our seasons are approaching here. What's some things that you would – I know you're a little further away, but what were some things you would recommend to some guys to kind of how to approach this practice weekend, practice games, versus the real game starting here soon. Yeah, so um, up here right now, guys, and there's actually a couple schools up here that I actually train pretty much majority of guys that they're starting lineup when it comes to hitters, a uh, handful of pitchers as well. Um, but right now, I and, and I'm probably going to get murdered for this, and, and though I agree with, with you uh, with the, using the pitching machine to help with velocity and stuff like that, I'm actually a guy that really hates using the pitching machine too much except for like sliders, curveballs, and see and spin and stuff. I definitely think it's important, and we have used you know machine work in the past for picking up velocity, but uh, there's two main things that I'm seeing with guys right now with the schools that are just doing machine work. And so I think we got to have a blend of everything. I think we got to have a blend of BP and a blend of the machine work. Um, it's not that I don't believe in machine work, as I was saying. It's just that I think that we got to understand what we're doing in, in totality and uh, what the objective is. And the objective is, is hitting guys that are throwing overhand, you know, hitting the fastballs, hitting the curveballs, you know, getting confidence on the machine is important, but we also got to make sure we're getting timing because for me, the t the, for me, when I would use the machine work, it really, really screwed up my timing dramatically. And I was naturally, the two main reasons I would drop my hands sometimes if the ball would get stuck in the machine or if, um, you know, the ball, the coach had it set up, maybe it was too close or too far away and it wasn't consistent with the timing. Um, so I'm noticing a lot of guys dropping their hands a lot. So basically I'm giving them advice like, hey, you know, you drop your hands. And what I mean by dropping the hands for those who are listening is when you get into launch position and the hands are collapsing, and Adam, as you know, it's hard to hit those high fastballs or fastballs up in the zone, especially those guys with the high spin rates and, and, and that really throw the shit out of the ball. But with them, I'm like, listen, be aware of what you're doing on the machine. If you can, record yourself on video a little bit. If you catch yourself dropping your hands a little bit, be aware of what you're doing and, and, and make sure you're making that adjustment quickly. Because um, obviously, you know, there's more to hitting than just mechanics uh, and timing. We've got to understand the feels of what we're doing. And so the second thing that the machine does that I've seen a lot of guys struggle with is they're getting drifting forward a little bit. Because um, I know that a lot of guys will set up the machine for perceived velocity. And Adam, you were telling me the other day about how they have cards and, and info how to set up how far away for the reaction time uh, which was good stuff and um, specifically at some of these schools they're just doing t-work and machine work mm. and to me that's awesome great but there's no timing from an overhand movement and there's no there's nobody throwing bp with a leg kick and i think that's i think that's a fault that a lot of these schools will do because especially right now like people see stuff on twitter 
Um, and everybody's like, hey, man, get ready for the fastball, light up the machine, um, you know, doing, doing, doing your tee work. And, and again, like I'm the biggest advocate of tee work in the world. Um, and like I said, I, I believe in the machine work, but I think that we have to make sure we're getting some overhand. So as you were saying, Adam, I think this is the biggest kept secret and I don't know why more people don't do it, but standing inside of bullpens, like you were saying, is by far the best way to start picking up pitches, seeing spin, getting comfortable and be able to kind of relax. Cause when you're in the, you're in the box in a practice game or real game environment, you know, your anxiety is going up. You're kind of freaking out a little bit early in the season. You're nervous. You want to make sure you're doing, you get a great start. If you can kind of stand inside those bullpens and kind of see pitches in a non-competitive environment where you're just kind of tracking and seeing balls, it's going to allow you while at the same time working on your load, work on your separation, make sure your timing is there. And like we were talking about a few episodes ago on the podcast, that's your visualization right there. You're seeing the ball, you're seeing the spin. Okay. Boom. Slider away. Boom. I just, I hit a line drive to right field. Ooh, fastball in bang. I just turned on this man. So when guys are getting set and kind of getting ready for that, and now the end of, uh, or sorry, the early part of February, now we're starting to see more live at bats too, which is obviously good. So um, with these guys that are getting live at bats, the most important part of the live at bat for me is standing behind the screen and watching the live ABs to see the pitches, but also the on deck where you're working on your timing. And it's things that we're, we're constantly addressing all the time about, hey, you know, your bat starts before you get in the box. You have to be on the on deck circle, seeing the pitches, seeing what the guy's doing. Um, and from a pitching standpoint, Right now, uh, most of the guys like you're transferring from this, this thought process of trying to overall develop this hard velocity and getting, you know, big in the weight room. And now we're making that transition that we need to, we're throwing bullpens. We need to pitch. We need to learn how to pitch. We need to make sure we're hitting spots. We make sure we're getting our spin, make sure we're hitting, um, throwing three pitches for strikes or at minimum of two pitches for strikes. So there's a lot of mindset thing when you pitchers like don't just go in there because a lot of them go in there and they're just trying to show off, you know, maybe their velocity increases over the offseason. And this is important for you to kind of understand like, hey, you know, the mound is important, like flat ground stuff. I like doing flat ground stuff. But at the end of the day, doing the mound is what's going to transfer to the game. So you could throw bullpens, you know, you have your 100 um, percent effort bullpens and you can have some some low intensity effort bullpens where you're just working on the field, getting down the mound, working on your pitches. Um, you know, getting on the mound as much as possible, obviously ramping up and doing it smart and doing it correctly to make sure you're not hurting your arm. But that's most important is making sure you're trying to create that game like situation here um, inside, especially right now as we're prepping for the season here in two months. Yeah, that's great stuff. And I'm glad that you mixed in the machine stuff because I think you can get lost where coaches, maybe they don't like throwing batting practice. So instead, they're just going to do machine every single day. And mm -hmm. I think that is very disruptive in a hitter's timing because you're not seeing a live arm. So I think as long as you can blend in both together, you will see the best results out of it instead of just one every single day, you know what kind of machine you're facing. And number two is like, what kind of machine is it? Because I know the machines I hit off of in high school were the dimple balls with the two mm -hmm. big wheels. It was very hard to pick up. The timing was not at all similar to like a live at bat where now if you kind of get a hack attack or a hack at that junior, those are probably the most popular ones out there for a reason. Cause you can get a good visual of the ball going in the tunnel and kind of simulate a live action. So mm -hmm. definitely check out what machine that you're using against and know what you're working on when you do it. So if it is breaking balls that day, it better be set up for breaking balls that are strikes. You don't want to sit there and set up a nasty breaking ball that is disgusting and it breaks down in the dirt and you don't even, you swing at it and you can't ever hit it because you're not going to hit that in the game either. So don't even try to train for it. So mm -hmm. understanding it's the breaking ball up that the one you're trying to really work on uh, from a pitcher standpoint, I pitched a little bit in high school, but never after that. But what I would really focus on in these scrimmages or your first live against a hitters like in practice right now is, 
work both, wind up and stretch. I don't care if guys get on base right now. I'm trying to work, simulate the game as much as possible. I don't care if I strike everybody out when I'm up there. I want to work. Today I'm dominating inside fastballs and low and away breaking balls. That's what I really want to focus on. My next outing, I want to dominate the outside fastball. Add in my changeup and let's see where it's at. But just start to build your whole repertoire that you have to try to get these guys out here in a couple of weeks when you start. Don't just come out right away trying to pump fastballs right by everybody because what's going to happen when you face a good fastball hitting team, now you're kind of stuck not having that second and third pitch. So that's going to be something. And you, uh, one more thing to add to the live at bats, I saw a cool thing the other day where a college had a pitcher throwing live in a bullpen with the right-hander and left-hander at the same time, and it helped that pitcher understand, okay, at first I feel enclosed, but I actually get to see how big that plate really is. And so, yes, I'm not going to hit the guy. This is a college, so I don't know about high school-wise if you could do get away with doing this, but have the guys back off the plate just a little bit. So now you have two hitters working on their timing while one pitcher is working on kind of that tunnel vision of seeing the catcher and seeing the plate too. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a really cool idea that I haven't seen before that I think teams definitely need to start implementing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a really valid point too when it comes to machine work because there's a lot of schools that have that old two-wheel machine, dimple ball machine. Guys aren't using that hack attack. There's There's – there's certain things that you definitely have to invest in as a coach to make sure you're working on it. And that's all you have for the machine. Like for me, for my advice is maybe you're just working on curveballs because it's so hard to pick up on that fastball. And maybe you're throwing close distance BP um, and throwing it a little hard, getting some little velo onto it. So you're working on timing from there. Um, Cause also like guys that can get away with big movements at the plate during batting practice, once things start speeding up, you know, those movements may have to shorten up a little bit and maybe they need to get that bat head out front because um, a lot of guys are making contact too deep in the zone a lot um, early in the season for sure. Um, but let's kind of transfer Adam into our, our arm soreness and, and recovery uh, protocols. I know this is something I really enjoy talking about. It's something that I, I, we specialize at LT in helping guys develop arm strength as well as I know you guys at Heisler Heat. Um, and when I say arm strength, that's, that's the recovery. That's increasing velo. Um, it's taking care of your arm. That's all that stuff for those that are listening. But it always starts with kids coming up to you saying, hey, coach, my arm is sore. Hey, coach, I, I, it feels weird. You know, you know, something feels off. And they're basically using pretty much every word they can in the book without um, trying to say that their arm's been bothering them for a while. Or some guys are using the word pain and what they really mean is soreness. So, you know, Adam, when it comes to guys approaching you, what are the, some of the common things that people say to you? And what are some of the common responses that you get out of them trying to get them going on the right track? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is they come up saying, hey, my arm's been bothering me. And then now we have to try to dissect the situation of is it pain or is it soreness? All right. Also, how much have you been throwing before you just picked up and started throwing? What are you doing at practice? Like these are questions that have to be communicated. And I'm glad you brought up the point of, yes, we're doing an arm care. So you're building both the strength as well as the brakes too. So it's like the gas and the brakes. I think a lot of people get so caught up into building that, 100 mile an hour velocity or whatever it is you're trying to throw that we forget about the safety of everything too that goes into this so you're trying to build a, a strong arm but also a safe arm and a healthy arm that can get you through the whole season so a lot of kids will approach me back when I was coaching more like during the summer of man coach my arm's killing me do you have any ibuprofen or do you have any Advil do you have, this is stuff that guys like we want to get out to you guys like Yes, it helps the pain at the time, but we're not helping the injury or we're not helping what is going on here. So you've got to understand why you're having this type of pain and let's try to fix that versus always trying to take the medicine to help heal the pain. I've been there before. It does suck when your arm hurts, but 
let's try to figure the bigger picture. Me and Sean both played with arm injuries our last year at South. We knew it was an injury, but we didn't really know how much because we wanted to play the game. So both of us took cortisone shots in our shoulders. We took pregame medicine stuff to get us through the season. Towards the end of the year, we both knew something was messed up. We had our MRIs done, and boom, we both had torn labrums. Sean's is way worse than mine, but it was just the fact of what we needed to do at the time. But it wasn't until we had those full answers now we can start the process of, all right, how do we go from here? And so, guys, that doesn't mean immediately run to a doctor if you're having these little arm issues because you'll know the difference between a 10 out of 10 and, like, a 4 out of 10. Ah, it just bothers me, Coach, every now and then when I'm playing a little catch once I get over a certain amount of feet. Okay, so that's, yeah, just typical arm soreness. You probably weren't ready coming into the season, so your arm's trying to catch up. So the whole the code word out there that every doctor is going to diagnose you with is you have tendonitis and you need to shut down for two weeks and you need to take this medicine and everything will be good from there going forward. So now it's understanding what do you do for recovery? Are you an ice guy? Are you a, a heat guy? Personally, I didn't like the ice. I didn't like the way it made me feel. I would just stay with heat only. It changes for everybody. Our, our White Sox organization rule, everybody had to ice. As soon as pitchers came out of the game, they went straight to the ice. Some other organizations do stuff totally different. It's just whatever, I guess, that team is believing in. So now you're the athlete. You know what works best for you. Now let's go with it. You can do research on everything out there where there's going to be some people that swear by ice and some that swear not to use ice and use heat. So whatever works best for you and whatever you feel most comfortable with. Uh, also the old saying was if you pitch that day, go run for 20 minutes, just to get the lactic acid out where now I almost feel like if you, after you're done pitching is get you a 10, 15 minute little workout in afterwards or sprints, or you're going to get way more out of that than just kind of jogging around thinking that you're magically just burning this acid right out of your system. So there, uh, you will break in a little bit deeper with your standpoint here, Sean, but that's just the scenes I'm seeing from an outfielder standpoint, more than me personally deal with the pitchers. I let my pitching coaches here kind of deal with that. Now I'll chime in every now and then, but what are some things that you're hearing from guys and like, how do you dictate what's just soreness and then what's just pain? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you addressed on a couple of different topics. Cause I definitely want to go into depth on those things is, um, these things that I've, I've thought about for a long period of time. And as the years have gone on, you know, there's a lot of research that backs up, I guess, my conventional wisdom, if you will, that I've had in the past. Um, but guys will come up and approach me and tell me their arms bothering me. So when we're doing um, velocity programs and, you know, I, I, it's a love-hate relationship with the velocity programs because people see velo programs like, oh, we're trying to throw hard. And, you know, most of our stuff, 90% of our time in there is developing power, arm care, arm recovery, arm strength. We're training the mobility, stability. We're doing all those things, minimal throwing um, compared to the hour and a half that they're there. And guys will go off. And I purposely don't, we don't throw bullpens at our our, our arm care programs because the kids are throwing bullpens with their high schools, they're throwing bullpens with their travel teams. Um, Travel baseball practice is a whole nother thing. I just don't believe in that in the the off season when it comes to the high school levels because Kids, are, kids have so many other places they need to be. Their private instructor, their high school uh, practices, or, you know, their coach, it's, you know, that's mandatory. They need to be there if they want to play in the spring season. So guys will show up at those practices, and we don't know what they're doing the other five days of the week they're not with us. We don't know what they're doing day in and day out. So I'll, I'll ask them, like, okay, is your arm sore? What did you do? And nine times out of ten, the guy's like, well, I threw a bullpen the other day, but my arm was really sore, and it was, it was abnormal, abnormal sore. Um, and I went ahead and threw anyway. I go, dude. Like you can't be stupid. Like you, like that's literally how injuries happen. That's literally how you can hurt yourself. Um, and I, we were talking about this over the summer. Um, like arm soreness in the elbow or fatigue in the elbow puts a lot more strain on the UCL when you're throwing. And so you know, if you're say 
somebody's doing bench press before and we won't i can't believe we haven't even addressed bench presses for, for overhead athletes on this Long podcast this, yeah oh my i just now realize that we'll address that probably <laughs> in the next week um but say somebody's fatigued in the elbow um and they go through a bullpen and you know you're putting a lot more stress on that ucl so i tell these guys like listen coaches are not going to be pissed off at you i'm not going to be pissed off at you if your um arm is bothering you too much to where you can't throw off the mound but you have to be willing to take the conversation that's going to happen and take your bumps and bruises when the coach asks you how many times you've been throwing a week when you say two or three times and you've been, you guys have been ramping up for the last six to 10 weeks and you're only throwing three times, two or three times a week. That's a problem. Um, it, how much are you doing your band work? I had a kid the other day say he's doing band work every single day. And I looked at him, I go, you would look a lot different if you were doing 30 minutes of band work every day, bro. <laughs> it's just an FYI. And, you know, I had, I have to be blunt because I want these guys to understand like, you know, Part of the arm care and arm recovery, and, and most people think the answer is rest. Like, I'm throwing, I'm really sore, and answers is rest. And that, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, you actually need recovery. And you can say it's rest and recovery, you know, you know potato, potato. Uh, but when people, most people think rest, they just sit around, and they're watching TV, they're doing nothing. What you need is recovery where maybe your volume of throws drops down, and, and but you're really attacking the bands. You're really attacking the rice bucket. You're really attack, attacking strengthening your flexor mass, strengthening your, your mobility in the shoulder. And, you know, when we throw off the bump, we naturally will lose that 10 to 15% of internal rotation. So immediately after you throw, that's something that you have to address. You lose internal rotation, you, put, you increase the risk of being injured. Um, so all these things I, I try to educate these guys on. I had a kid uh, a couple of days ago come up to me and goes, coach, my arms are really, really sore. Um, I threw a bullpen at, at travel baseball practice and, and it was, it was just bothering me the whole time. And I threw like 30, 40 pitches. I go, dude, what are you doing? I go, are you throwing bullpens with your high school? He goes, yeah. And I, and I go, when did you throw your bullpen with your high school? He goes the day before. Uh. So, yeah. And this kid's throwing back to back days. And so I, I, I will say this, like as a coach, you have to start every single practice and by addressing, is anybody abnormally sore? Is anybody feel like they're weary about throwing today? Come see me. And then you have to have this three or four question template. Like, okay, how many days a week are you throwing? What are you doing for arm recovery? Uh, what are you doing for prepping your arm tissue prep before you throw? And you have to make sure you find these holes in these guys' arms or in these guys' training programs. And you kind of help them fill in the holes. Um, and then the, the, the main thing with me, you talk, started talking about icing. Um, this is a, this is kind of a, uh, uh, I guess something that irritates the piss out of me. Um, if you believe in icing, if you listen to this, do it hundred percent. If that's what you want to do, do it. But research has debunked icing a long time ago. The guy who invented the rice method, you know, rest, ice, uh, compression, elevation, I think it was like night, late 1970s things like Dr. Merkin or something like that. M U R K K I N. If you want to look it up. And the guy who invented that literally backtracked some years ago and said, this best-selling book that I wrote is actually false in, in the fact that, you know, ice actually inhibits recovery and it inhibits the blood flow. So it's actually bad for people um, when it comes to uh, throwers specifically. Um, and there's a lot of research. I think there was a 2002 study or 2004 study where they talked about there is no lactic buildup in the, in the arm and the arms when guys are throwing on the, uh, on the mound. Um, so they're ba basically not building up lactic acid. So the old mindset is guys are building up lacti lactic acid when they throw. So, hey, we need to run long distance and we need to work on, uh, let's see here, we need to ice so we can actually help recover right there. And that's, furthest, that's the furthest thing from the, tr from the truth right there. One second, I'm going to take a uh, break for those that are listening. I'm sitting there getting fired up, so I had to take a drink. So 
guys are sitting there and they're like, Hey, you need ice. And I remember being at a driveline. Um, it was like a conference or something like that back in like 2012. And I, 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 you know, rose my hand during there and I go, Hey, like I get a lot better recovery methods from doing, um, after throwing from doing a lot of high rep band work, inducing blood flow into the, uh, the micro trauma. So those are listening. The soreness that you get from throwing is actually micro trauma to all the tissues and uh, tendons and, you know, around that, that arm, every time you throw, you're going to get a little micro trauma, which is again, it shows how important it is for you to do the bands, the rice bucket, the strengthening, the proper stuff in the weight room, the, the mobility work. So you can, you know, teach, you know, muscles will grow the more stress you put on it, the more long toss, the more band work, the more strengthening you do with those small muscles, those tissues will grow stronger and more and, and more de- and more able to take a higher stress. The more you do work on them, they're not just going to all of a sudden develop and get stronger. So I remember raising my hand and going, Hey, we have more, re- we more recovery methods from the high rep band work. Uh, we do a lot of rice bucket work. Uh, we actually do flossing. So we'll do compression floss and help increase range of motion to induce blood flow into the um, elbow. Had a lot of kids. We've done a lot of success with flossing with that. And I go, so I really like when I was younger, I didn't believe in ice at all. I never thought that it helped me. So I always tell guys don't, don't ice. And I remember um, body at driveline was like, Hey man, like we just let guys do it if they want to. Um, we don't make it mandatory. Um, if guys don't want to, they don't want to. And I remember there was a bunch of old school coaches in front of me looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. And, and I, and I looked at them, I go, what? And they're like, oh man, I seen that. That's, it's so important. And I looked at them and they look like, you know, a hundred pounds overweight. So I wouldn't believe anything that they would say anyway, not to dog on those guys, just the guys that are listening. But, you know, for me, it's like, you can't just have this mindset of what has been done in the past always needs to be done. And, and, and this is always going to be our mindset. And like I said before, not to dog on those guys, but for me, if icing has been proven not to work by the guy who invented it, that rice method for guys that, that don't, the, the lactic acid is not built up in throwers, then we need to figure out better ways to, to recover from. And so if, if we're getting micro trauma from throwing, basically we need to regenerate those cells, send some cells into that, that tissue and, and, and increase that, that recovery. So for me, when I talk to guys about that recovery process, it's like, Hey, what we're going to do and what we're going to focus on is you want to make sure that you prep before you throw, you know, you're getting your tissue prep, you're, you're activating your CNS, doing your long toss, doing your bands, all that stuff you throw. And then with, immediately after throwing, we're going to start on a recovery process. And it's the same thing we do in our velocity programs is we'll work in the back. We'll do a circuit of uh, literally like 30 different exercises at times. They're variations of the same, you know, six to eight exercises. And we'll do recovery for 20 minutes a- a- after we throw every single time. And I give these guys handouts of what they should be doing when they're on their own. Um, and that's, that, that's the thing about, you know, this conventional wisdom about, Hey, we need to ice. Okay. We're going to, we're going to do some long distance running. And, and I think that's a great thing that we need to talk about next. Um, but lactic acid does not build up and throw us for those that are listening. So the whole, uh, ice method and long distance running method, that's not what you need to be doing. We need to focus on what we can do to get our tissues prepped and to get our tissues to recover faster so we can work and throw the next day or the day after, whether you're a reliever, whether you're a guy that has four days rest and, and you're a starter, you're going every four days. Um, we need to make sure that we're training the body to adapt to that environment. Um, and for me, you know, it, those are things that are pet peeves of mine, but I know that was a long answer, but I wanted to address a lot of those things right there. But when it comes to recovery for you guys, Adam, what are some of the main things that you feel like that helps with you when, when you're pitching guys or helping with guys at the end of your programs? What do you guys do most that you feel like has the best bang for the buck for guys that get done throwing and, and kind of help them bounce back to their next start quicker? 
Yeah, you basically have nailed a lot of the stuff from rice bucket to the flossing. Uh, we do cupping as well. We've had a cupping system in there that will do cupping on upper back, upper shoulder, wherever it is. It's, you're kind of feeling some issues going on there. Uh, the foam roll, the band work, just all the recovery stuff that looks like a workout. That's actually where your recovery is coming from. And so mm-hmm. we have no ice at the facility. We don't have any ice going on. Like nobody goes and gets some and then brings it back up there. So that is our recovery process. Uh, we'll go out, we'll run sprints, we'll do broad jumps, vertical jumps, whatever it is, just explosive type of movements, get them a good workout in. And then they're finished for the day from their throwing standpoint. So it's not this whole elaborated system of when I throw a live bullpen this day, this is what I need to do. They kind of already know exactly what their routine is going to be after they're done throwing. And I think it all goes back to, I don't think a lot of people have either done the research or they just don't know about this stuff. So I'd be very interested to see how many high schoolers are having their high school coaches basically tell them as soon as they come off the pitcher's mound of, Hey, go grab some ice from the concession stand, just sit here and watch the rest of the game. And then after the game, make sure you get your 16 poles in and there you go. You're, you're done for the whole time. And, I think if you approach them about let's get away with the ice, let's have a plan of bands, explosive workout, rice bucket, uh, even cupping, flossing, they'd be more welcome and opening to it. I think it's just something new out there. And if you prove like this guy that wrote this book basically came back saying what he wrote was not correct, then, oh, man, well, maybe we should try something different. I think guys would see a great result out of it. I mean, there were some guys I played with in pro ball that literally as soon as they got done, they ran straight to the ice and like that was it. Mm-hmm. And looking back at them, they never got better. That was their routine of, I'm always going to hurt. It's just the way it is. I'm going to pop me three Advil, then I'm going to go out there, pitch, and then I'm going to run straight to the ice because that's what's healing this thing. So now let's look at why are you hurting? Is it because, like, maybe there's a mechanical fall of the way you throw, and that's what's causing your arm to hurt. Mm-hmm. Let's try to fix that right away because I think that's one of the big things that's kind of hitting behind all this is I don't think a lot of kids these days are getting taught how to throw and properly throw. I know – like coming up, I don't really remember anybody like teaching me. I think everybody just assumes like, hey, here's the ball, chunk it. And I mean, I remember a picture at one time, I think I was in high school, like throwing a guy out from the outfield and like my arm was directly like way back reaching for it and looking back. I'm like, no wonder I had labor <laughs> later down the line. Like this is not a proper way to throw, but nobody taught me or anything because they always are, always had a good arm. So they're, hey, yep, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh-huh. Looking back now, I'm like, gosh, if I would have just looked at that and maybe done, made some mechanical adjustments, cleaned up an arm path, and also did the before and afters with the band. I'll never forget after the surgery, meeting with the PT, and we both had the same P- uh, PT, and Bob Fleming here in Mobile is awesome at what he does, and he gives you a workout before you throw, and it was the first time I ever had that, and I'm like, uh-huh. what is this band? What is this sprint? What is this? And he's like, you have to be breaking a sweat by the time you pick up the baseball. Uh-huh. Looking back now, when we were playing at South, like I was one of the ones that I got warm in seven minutes and I'm like, let's roll. Like, yep. I'm good. Let's take in and out as opposed to this whole process. So when I was coming back doing my rehab and training to get ready for uh, the White Sox organization, I remember a couple of the guys that were still on the team were like, dude, what are you doing? Like, let's just play catch. And I'm like, no, I've got to do this 30 minutes before I play catch. And they uh-huh. looked at me like I was stupid. And I tried to explain to them why this is so important, but it was the same thing. Nobody had ever talked to us about it. And so I know it's kind of getting away from the answer there, but I think there's so much more to the picture of always just doing the same thing of the ibuprofen or the Advil and the ice and then doing the long poles because you're not going to see any benefits. It's just you're going to continue to deal with this pain for a long time, for the rest of your career probably, until maybe an injury like a surgery or something does happen. Yep. 
Yep. And that's, that, those are really valid points. And that's another thing to address is like, why, why is this soreness happening? Like you said, there's, there's multiple reasons this could happen. Like, you know, and you said the mechanics, the mechanical part of the process is, is a very huge and integral part of the process. Like if your mechanics are off, you're going to have excessive soreness. You're going to be putting strain on areas that shouldn't be getting as much strain as they are. You know, you know, you have a timing issue, maybe the arms dragging behind, you know, the weakest link is going to break when that is happening. And a lot of times with baseball players, it's the elbow and it's the shoulder um, that that usually happens. Sometimes it's the low back. There's a lot of low back injuries in baseball. Um, it, it could be your stamina and, 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 and your speed endurance. Like, are you able to throw right now? Like, are you, if you're only throwing two or three times a week and you're in two of those times, you're throwing max effort bullpens. That's a valid reason of why your arm is hurting or your arm is bothering you. Um, you know, there's biomechanical reasons. There's so many reasons that factor into this. And as a player, you can control so much by just having a routine and understanding the plan. And if you don't have that plan in this day and age, you need to be asking your coaches, Hey, what is my plan? And, and as coaches, like I get, when I hear guys talk about development and I hear that word all the time and I hear development, 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 I hear it in the bulls organization. And some of those guys don't know shit about development. I like where their mindset is. I hear it from coaches, but, and this is, these are things I see They're They, uh, we're, we're all about development and their warm up is 60 seconds long and stretching and mobility work activation before they start throwing. Okay. Um, they don't start bands until they actually get on the field when rally, they should be starting their band work before the game is over in front during summer ball. You get coaches talking about development and they're not addressing like, Hey, what are you doing? And I know there's, there's, there's coaches and these kids are getting, you know, lessons from their private coach. They're getting travel ball um, advice. They're getting their high school advice, but you have to ask these questions. You have to have a tempo like, Hey, here's our program. Okay. If you have a routine, we'll work together and make sure that routine is, 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 is yours. And you're following some stuff that we know is absolutely better. Cause I get guys in the summer um, that have, you know, in routines with people that uh, with certain instructors. And I say, Hey, that's great, dude. But I'm going to tell you stuff that's worked for a long period of time that has helped guys with velocity. And you can throw this in your routine as well. And we got guys that don't know anything. And so they basically follow the routine down to the T and part of that routine, like you were saying is like, you know, you know, the sprint work, the explosive work, like we train that pitchers are in the phosphogen energy system. If we're training long distance running and a lot of guys will, will advocate that we're not training in the same energy system as guys are on the bump and being able to repeat the same delivery and be able to repeat explosive delivery over, over and over. Um, so guys that have this mindset, well, I really like long distance running and then we'll go, all right, well, you're going to do sprint and um, sprint work combined with light, light jog in between. So you'll do it for 15 to 20 minutes, but you're getting your anaerobic activity in, you're getting your sprint work in, but also you're getting your light jog in, you're getting full rest before you start your sprint. So there's a, there's definitely a fine middleman that we can help those guys that, that feel that mindset. Like we talk about feel versus real all the time, you know, boxers to this day still go on long distance runs, even though all the research shows that, you know, that explosive training would be better. If they make them feel better, we've got to find the middle, middle ground, where that science and that feel kind of combine and help these kids develop to that next level when it comes to the, the, uh, the physical standpoint. Um, but you know, the development thing really aggravates me because people say that all the time, but they don't know what that means. You know, another factor that affects with recovery, nutrition and hydration part, are you getting enough sleep? Are you just playing, you know, video games all night? I had a kid show up for lifting on Sunday and hitting, and he said he was exhausted. I go, why are you exhausted? He goes, well, me and my buddies were just hanging around talking all night, fell asleep at three, four in the morning. I go, oh, geez, dude. Like, hey, 
I get it. Like you want to stay up, you want to do go do things. We all did that. But if you got something to do and you got goals to achieve, you got to understand that rest and recovery is going to be part of keeping yourself healthy um, long term. But just to harp on the development thing again, like coaches that are listening to this, like if you really truly believe in that, then focus on development. Don't rush the the ten minute warm up to to two minutes just because you want to cover a bunk coverage for the thirty seventh time because your guys aren't getting it. Um, and I see that happen all the time. I mean, Adam, you and I both know that we covered things for four or five hours a week. That was a complete waste of time that we already knew what was going on. Um, and we could have been doing other things to help prevent us from getting injured. Um, and also coaches, you know, the ones that want to condition the, uh, the hell out of your players, um, be aware uh, that that extra conditioning. Yes. Yes. So you want to, we want to weed out the weak people. Um, but that extra conditioning can hurt your guys' recovery process at the same time. Now, a question I want to ask John, how many times do you get, so let's take pitchers out of it, but position players, because I'm catching just as much like arm soreness from, from position players as opposed, just like they do with pitchers. And I'm asking them like, what are you guys doing? Like, why is your arm sore? You don't throw near as much as a pitcher does. Oh, we did cut off and relays the other day and I had to let it loose for five times. Your <laughs> arm should be in good enough shape to let it loose for five times or otherwise you have not been working to get ready for the season. So that's where your problem is at is, you weren't ready for the season and now you're trying to just start throwing hundred percent right away. And there's yep. mechanics to go to the outfield throws just like infield of, and I, I, we've touched on it before in podcasts. It's like the arm is just the last piece of the puzzle. Like you've got to build the core and the legs and the explosiveness on these crow hop throws and on these shuffle throws through the infield and don't just depend on that arm the whole time. So are you hearing that a lot from your guys about that are even just position players or catchers that are complaining about arm soreness too? Absolutely. And that's the thing is I, so if I could go back and change one thing with me, like you said, I would have been doing a lot more band work and pre pregame routine, but also the long toss, like we would, we would stretch it out and I'd be like, all right, we feel good. And then there would be no pull downs. There would be no you know high volume. I'm a big believer of going for time instead of for throws uh, building the arm up and we do a lot of time work when it comes to our long toss. Um, but that's something with position players. Like they don't do that enough when they're getting ready for practices, they'll play catch at 90 feet and maybe, maybe it's even shorter. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, like you're doing relays and you're trying to throw that ball 150. Like that's, that's an issue. You're not even prepping to make those throws. You're not even getting these throws correctly. Um, you know, prepping your body for what you're about to do. And so I, I agree. Like there's, there's a couple of guys that, that address the same things with me. Um, I had a kid who was telling me his elbow was a little bit sore because the, the common occurrences for those that are listening, like the shoulder and elbow are obviously the most common occurrences for people. Um, so, you know, the stretching, the mobility of the, the flexors and the extensors is huge. That's part of the routine, especially with, with hitters, position players do doing a lot more grip stuff. They're doing a lot more crushing stuff. They're gripping a bat constantly. They're rotating on one side of the body, which every athlete in baseball is doing. Um, but there's so much more grip work involved with, with position players. So they're, they have to really pay attention to their elbows just as much, if not more than pitchers a lot of times um, because of all the grip work they're doing. The farmer's walks, you know, the, the heavy grip work in the chins and the weight room. There's certain modifications that you have to address. And those guys are like, hey, I'm a little sore here. Well, hey, are you doing these things? You doing this mobility and, and the, um, doing your flexor work and extensor work? No. Okay. Well, that's an issue. We got to make sure we're doing this. Um, and also with the shoulder too, like you see guys in the infield all the time, they'll try to make these short throws and they're not following through and they're going all arm trying to throw it as hard as they can across the diamond. And that's, that's going to be a problem if you're not taking care of your arm, you know, you've got to make sure that you know, mechanically you're throwing the ball correctly. Uh, as we were saying before, but I will say this, my, the way my arm felt the absolute best it ever felt in my life um, 
the year that I was throwing the most in my life. And it was my junior year of high school um, where I was pitching all the time and I was playing shortstop all the time. And the coach did a good job the day after I pitched, I would DH um, to kind of save my arm a little bit that year. Um, but I, back then I didn't understand what was happening. I was like, man, my arm feels really, really, really good. And looking back on it, the volume of my throws, the long toss and the things that I was doing was so consistent day in and day out. And I had that rest day, um, after my heaviest day of the week. So for those that are listening, you know, not throwing it all one day a week, I I'm a big advocate of, and when you're kind of ramping up, maybe it turns into two days. And as you're, as, as you're building up to that six days a week throwing, um, but I completely didn't even realize at the time, like all that volume of throws doing that day in and day out was building my arm up and, and just building this, this armor around uh, my shoulder and my elbow. And so for those that are listening, like that's as a position player, you've got to take care of your arm as well. And, and for a guy that, you know, can barely throw nowadays cause I didn't do the things I needed to do. And I didn't train in the weight room um, early in my career, the way I should have, I was doing things that were hurting me in the long run. Um, those are big, big factors that you guys got to pay attention to if you want to play for a long time. Yeah, and I think so many people are afraid to long toss, whether it's before games or just to get on a long toss schedule. Back when we used to run travel teams out of the facility, I specifically remember one kid that has still never had arm problems. He's an outfielder only, but he would literally long toss pretty much every day we had practice as well as before the games. And nobody wanted to throw with him because he did it. And so mm-hmm. one of our guys that came over, he was a new guy, kind of got stuck throwing with him. But it was so cool to see how that guy, the new guy's arm got stronger as well as he didn't complain about any arm pain. And at the end of the summer, he came to us and mentioned how that was the first time he played all summer with zero arm pain. And it was so cool just to see he almost kind of got stuck in this role, but it ended up working out for him. Kind of like what you were just saying was when your arm didn't hurt at all or felt the best is when you're actually throwing the most too. So guys, if you're listening to this, make sure it's almost too late now because your season's about to be here, but you got to start thinking about this stuff heading into whether it's summer ball or even getting ready before games of you've got to lengthen this stuff on out. Don't get that stigma of I'm just going to go 90 because that's probably the only distance I'm going to have to throw in this game. No, if you're, especially if you're an outfitter, you better be stretching it out as well as you get to work on your carries, your throws, your crow hop, all the other good stuff that comes with it too. So now you're not just trying to make that game win and throw and you're physically not ready for it because you didn't prepare for it during your warmups. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's, uh, for me, like, and I was talking about coaches earlier, for those that are listening and, and some of the coaches that may be pissed off at me already for me saying, talking about the development stuff, like I'm not dogging anybody. All I'm saying is if those are the things that you believe in, um, then back it up with an actual program. I have buddies that, you know, sometimes as a head coach, it's very hard because you're trying to, you're trying to cover so many different topics, so many different basic bases. And, you know, you kind of forget about, okay, I need to make sure I'm working on the, the integrity and the health of my guy's arms. I want to make sure I'm taking care of their bodies and so forth. And, you know, it's easy if you have a strength and conditioning coach on staff that helps with that stuff. But, um, you know, you've got to communicate with that guy. And if you don't have that guy, you've got to make sure you educate yourself enough to the point where you're actually helping those guys, you know, because there's guys at the Bulls, there's guys around Kokomo and the, and the schools around Kokomo and schools around the North Indy area. Uh, I'm friends with a lot of those coaches. Um, and, you know, I respect a lot of those coaches. Um, and we all make mistakes, but part of understanding like development is taking care of the bodies because taking care of the body ultimately will help the guys reach a whole nother level athletically and physically. Um, but I think that's a, I think we can hand it right here, Adam. Is there anything else you want to cover before uh, we head out? No, I think that was a lot of good information today. So like you were saying, just if you 
preach development, then just back it up. It's just like anything in life. If you're going to talk about it, then make sure you're going to be about it too. So coaches, if you truly care about your players, then you're going to do this stuff for them. So it, it kind of makes it easy from that standpoint. And if you don't know, ask or reach mm -hmm. out. I mean, not even just to us, to other people. That's what is so cool about the social media world now is you can find new ways to do new routines as opposed to just doing the same stuff that you, maybe you were taught when you were a player. Now you're a coach and you're just kind of kind of transitioned to that for the past 20 years. And then maybe we're not seeing those results that we thought we would see. And maybe we're seeing more injuries than we thought. Yep, absolutely. Because I get, I get text messages all the time from coaches asking me about, hey, how can I help with recovery? How can I help with mobility and stuff? And I love answering those questions. Obviously, I'm not going to hand them our entire program, but I tell them like, hey, these are the things you need to address. And I help them out with it with some of the answers and stuff. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with asking for advice on certain things, you know, like, you know, we train a lot of softball players and I can, I can teach them hitting, you know, hit, hit, hit dingers and hit, you know, doubles and lasers all over the place, but I can't teach pitching. I have to, re I would have to refer, talk to somebody else about softball pitching. Um, so it, it's easy to ask questions as a coach, you know, to me, I respect a lot more guys that are, that are trying to learn and try willing to do that stuff. And I see guys on social media tweeting about arm care and recovery. Those head coaches, I love that stuff, man, because they understand it. They get it. They're, they're, they're trying to build that program for the next 20 years instead of the next year. Um, but Hey guys, if you guys enjoyed this episode, uh, make sure you guys leave that five-star review and hopefully this helps some guys with some of these arm issues and soreness, you know, getting on a program, make sure you're throwing six times a week, doing your bands, doing your recovery work immediately after you're throwing, um, understanding these things. But until next time, we'll see you guys later.